That's dangerous right there. That's dangerous. What's up, everybody? This is Ye Ye Martinez. This is Big Jeff. And this is Beauty in the Beast mode. Did, did I just say booty? <laughs> This is Beauty and the Beast Mode um, podcast. We are over 25 episodes now. We are. We are, which is fantastic. Uh, Yep. We just got through the Thanksgiving holiday. Yep. We're excited to be back. Why Why did you look at me with those eyes when you said that, man? Because I'm excited. I'm excited we're back. Well, I'm talking about when you said it's been over a month. You got some guilt going on, brother. I don't have any, I don't have any guilt going on, my friend. I don't have any guilt going on, man. Listen, like, hey, look, it's the holidays, man. It's the holidays. Like, we took time away. We spent a lot of time with family and friends. You know, we, we kind of regrouped. We discussed... The future of Beauty and the Beast mode, which is in the next few months is going to be amazing with what we have coming up, right? Starting today, right? For the longest time, we've been wanting to get this guest on with us. Unfortunately, he can't be here in person because he's up north doing his thing. But we have the next best thing, which is the telephone. (laughs) Hey, man, we'll, we'll get there, brother. We'll get there, man. You know, yeah. what's important is that we're here, Jeff. We are. And we are going places. We're ready to entertain. Indeed. So, Beauty and the Beast mode. Here we go. Faces in the crowd. Faces in the crowd. This next guest. I w- I, he's a pretty amazing talent, man, at what he does. Right? Which is a lot of things. A man of many talents. You talk about a writer, yep. right? An actor. Yep. yep. Has his own podcast. Has his own podcast. Like voice actor as well. Yeah, like legit, brother. Yep. This dude I feel is gonna drop a lot of nuggets for us today. And I think uh throughout his career, mm-hmm. pretty amazing. That's just what he's doing right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sports casting. Yep, yep, yep. You, you forgot the word there for a second. <laughs> no, man. And he, ha- like, I wish that I had his hair. He has the nicest head of hair I think I've ever seen. It it looks pretty soft. Like if I like if they could make like if they made pillows and use and stuff the pillows with his hair, that'd probably be the softest pillow that you ever laid your head on. I don't know. You took you took it there. Why you because you, you, you took it there. I didn't think that at all. I just thought like he had a shaved head and they were taking his hair like a sheep, like they were shaving him like a sheep and taking his hair and putting it inside pillows. Right? Yeah, you went somewhere. You went. You went left, brother. You went left, man. Hey, this is Petey Two Shoes. Pete Cataldo, ladies and gentlemen. Let me introduce you through the telephone to Pete Cataldo. Say hello, Pete. Hello, everybody. What is up? 
Can I? I, I mean, I, I, I'm at a loss for words. First of all, first of all, you got my head bobbing to Wu Tang, so I, I already feel like you know, let's do this. Nice. And then you come in with the, the Fabio reference, which is kind of head scratching. But you know, it's all good, man. I appreciate the kind words, yeah. and I am glad we can finally get this going. Finally, it's it's probably been. I mean, it's been at least six months. At least six months. Yeah, I mean, we started talking about this first when you when you first launched the podcast. We're like, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta make this work. So yeah. I'm, I'm glad that we finally figured out that invention from the uh, from, from what the uh, 19th century, 20th century <laughs> called the telephone. That we could finally <laughs> each other up. We we wanted everything to be right in the universe, man. Before we got you on, brother. Which which honestly we don't even we don't even know. The world is in that type of place. Okay. Honestly, we don't even know if everything is right right now, right? Like, <laughs> but that's what we want to talk to you about, Pete. Like we we mentioned your podcast. We talked about your writing skills, um, your voiceover acting. We want to get to know Pete a little bit more. And how you got there. All right. So what we like to do with our interviews is we like to take it back like we just did with the woo. So we want to take it back to PD2 Shoes growing up. How was he raised? Where was he raised? Uh, brothers and sisters, where do you fall in line? Talk to us about some of that, Pete. PD2 Shoes is a young buck. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So, so let's take it back. I'm from, I'm from originally the state of Florida. Okay. And, uh, Grew up in a suburb north of Tampa called Newport Ritchie, predominantly white suburb. Uh, you know, kind of like a retirement home, basically. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, interesting dynamic being a young person growing up in a town where most of the people are, you know, uh, looking at AARP magazines. Yeah, yeah. Um, as, far, as far as family life, as far as family life. Uh, so, I have two older brothers uh, and a younger sister. Uh, now our family kind of split up and we can get into that a little bit more or not. I'm not really sure, but we, you know, we kind of split up at a young age. So really I was raised by my father and my stepmother for most of my life as kind of an only child. Um, although I, I, I look to, you know, like my cousins and, uh, things like that who are kind of like my older sisters. So, uh, and then I had, uh, uh, I had two stepbrothers and a stepsister all older than me. So like I, basically the way I fall in line with all the, biological brothers and sisters and stepbrothers and sisters as I'm like uh, sixth out of seventh youngest. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, yeah. So I was, so there was no, there was no uh, passing along, no, no getting around my parents because they'd seen it all. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. That, that's a, so it, considering it was just Thanksgiving, how did, how did you spend the holidays with, with that dynamic? Um, I did by avoiding it altogether. And I was just here to go to my daughter. That's the way it worked out. I mean, you know, uh, like last year I was, uh, uh, I spent it with uh, my in-laws and they got to see the my daughter who's only a year and a half old. So um, awesome. it's still early in the game. The travel schedule is kind of crazy when you got a little one like that. So mm-hmm. um, this year we just decided to stay at home and uh, kind of enjoy Thanksgiving holiday, just the three of us and, and mess around and make a turkey for way too many people, even though it's just two of, the, two of us eating it. Yeah. And where's home now? Because my daughter is a vegetarian. I, I'm, I didn't know that this was a thing, but apparently, kids when they're like when they're trying to figure out foods, like she's like, no, nah, nah, meat's not happening. I'm just gonna be a vegetarian, so she won't eat it. She'll put it. She'll, she'll, I'll, and I'll, I'll I'll come up with like all sorts of like tricks. Like uh-huh. I'll have pigs in the blanket. I'll like fold it up in some in some like bread or something. I think I've made a culinary like 
light, and she'll put it. She'll pick the meat right out. And she'll eat everything up. So. <laughs> So where, where do you call home now? So where do you call home now, Pete? So I live in New York City. I've got a, uh, a nice little uh, apartment in uh, the East Village of Manhattan, um, just off the East River. Uh, I could basically throw a stone and, and uh, hit the East River. Um, and uh, get a nice little view of the uh, World Trade Center, actually. Actually, the beautiful yeah. view of the World Trade Center. Awesome. So... Growing up, uh, let's say like you get to middle school, you get to high school, what what was your environment like? Like, what kind of friends were you attracted to? Uh, what what were your hobbies? How did you get into ultimately? Like, take us through that journey of you deciding your path and where you wanted to go coming out of like of your high school years. Sure, uh, you know I had. I had the pipe dream of being uh, a heart surgeon for a long time until about middle school age. So it's interesting that you brought up middle school because it was right around then that I realized uh, that I was going to be in school for like the next 20 years if I was going to do the heart surgeon thing. And I was like, no, stay on that. Um, let me find something with a little less going. Why, why, <laughs> so, why a heart surgeon? You know, I don't even know. I can't even remember. <laughs> like, I, I was always into science, and it was just like heart surgery. That just sounds like, uh-huh. you know, I don't know, the thing to do. Was it because of, jo- was it, of was it George Clooney? Heart, right? Was it George Clooney? <laughs> so, yeah, maybe. Maybe. He didn't quite have the Fabio hair, but, you know, he is dreamy in his own way. Yeah, yeah. So. No, but so, uh, so once I, what, in all seriousness, I had always had a passion for, and I always enjoyed sports. And uh, going back to even when I was just a, just a wee little kid, I always just loved watching sports with my dad. My dad and I were really tight, uh, like best friends. And um, largely because he split with my mother at such a young age, that it was my dad and I that were around for a while until we remarried. But even when he remarried, it was we still had that bond. And I always loved watching sports with him. I always wanted to do something involved with sports. And when I, I got out of that weird pipe dream that the heart surgery thing wasn't going to be for me, um, I looked at sports. Did you play sports? Did you play right sports around, at all? I played, you know, I played more like rec sports. Like I would be, I, like I played basketball every day after school in high school with my buddies. We, we go play pickup basketball. But uh, in the ninth grade, I played. And when I say I played, I mean I rode the bench on the high school ninth grade <laughs> basketball. <so>. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so it, it was in sports where I wanted to go, and that's when I decided that I wanted to, and the original idea was to be a play-by-play sportscaster. Um, it ended up evolving, but that was the thought, that was the, the dream, um, the, the career path that I wanted to take, and that was, that was right before high school that I made that decision. So all through high school, it was with that in mind that I tried to uh, just kind of build a path towards, towards what I wanted to do. Right. So during high school, was there like, were you part of like this, any clubs that, uh, that gave you the opportunity to, to, to start to pursue that passion? Uh, well, I got a good feeling for how to be, uh, you know, behind the scenes of sports by riding the bench. Uh, that helped. Yeah. yeah. But did you, did you like, did you go to retirement homes and, uh, <laughs> just do like the bocce ball games or, or anything like that? <laughs> No, no, I didn't do that, but I did, 
I was part of the yearbook staff, and I helped with the sports section there. And there was some, like, they gave you the opportunity to do some interviews with some of the coaches. So that was cool. And then my senior year, and I will forever thank my boy Steve uh, that I grew up with. And uh, he encouraged me one day. He was like, look, look, they had this uh, basketball announcer who had retired, and they were looking for someone who would, like, just, you know, just kind of introduce the team as they came out, like the starting lineups or something like that. Yeah. He was like, don't do it. I was like, ah, I don't know. You know, he's like, bro, just go do it. Just go ask. So I walked in the coach's office. I was like, I heard you're looking for somebody I would love to do it. And they're like, yeah, sure, come on up. Mm-hmm. So that senior year, um, you know, that's kind of where I, I had, like, the opportunity to get in front of a microphone, in front of a wide audience, and, like, really show my personality, which was funny for a lot of people because I was I was kind of a quiet, reserved guy in high school. But then when I'm behind the mic, and, and you know, it's this is an announcer. So it's mm-hmm. not like your normal sportscaster, like, you know, hey, tonight sports. Yeah. It was like, and now, you know, it was like project your voice, like, really make a show out of this thing. So that's uh-huh. what I was doing throughout my senior year. So th- were you able were you able to call like live action during the games or did you just like announce like calling out Michael Jordan or something? It was more it was more announcing, like, you know, two points by blah blah blah. Yeah. Um than it was like, you know, uh swings around on you know, he shoots scores, you know, it wasn't that sort of thing. Um so it was much more of an announcer read. So it wasn't quite the play by play that I was looking for. But it was definitely, you know, I mean, obviously, it was it was an opportunity. I jumped at it, and it was a great experience doing it. Mm-hmm. So, so after high school, you de- you decided this before you went to high school. What what did you have your eyes set on when you graduated high school? Yeah, so it was, and, and again, like you learn this about me throughout probably this this podcast is that like everything I do is calculated and everything I do I try to research it I try to build the path to it and I, I had in, in this high school uh, in Newport Ritchie it was like divided the senior class it was like you're either going to Florida or you're going to Florida State yeah and that's it that's what's happening so you know I uh, I had kind of done the research I didn't really I didn't really care at the point I had no like I had no you know allegiances at the point right mm-hmm. so you know I I looked at what each program journalistically had to offer for me. And I know Florida has a great journalism school. I'm not going to knock their journalism school. But for me and the sports department and the opportunities that I was going to be able to make, I chose Florida State. So I went to Florida State, ended up going there with a lot of my best friends, actually. Um, And at Florida State, uh, I was able to do even more than what I did in high school. Um, I didn't sleep, basically. So I, I... I wrote for the campus newspaper. I ended up being the editor-in-chief of the campus newspaper at Florida State. Uh, I ended up being the uh, sports director for the campus radio station. I hosted a weekly sports call-in show at the the station. I did a TV um, spotlight show. It's kind of like a long-form sports magazine sort of show that I think it may actually still be on. It was broadcast throughout the state. Mm -hmm. It may even still be on throughout the state of Florida. I used to do that. Um, in addition to the full-time class load. Yeah. So, and in the process, while I was there, and I'm going to date myself, but while I was there, this is a sports program that included three straight trips to national championships. So I'm right there covering big-name sports guys, and I'm sitting next to people from ESPN asking questions, and I'm talking over them trying to get my questions answered. So, I mean, you, you can't top that type of experience if that's what you're trying to do. 
but I, I was really happy that I made that choice, that decision, because by the time I had had and moved on to professional sports casting, some of it, and some of it was like, I, I've already done this before. So, yeah. you know, like, the, this is natural for me, and I, I'm not coming in here, like, wide-eyed, like, what the heck do I do? How do I talk to this professional athlete? I mean, I talked to someone who was drafted in the top five of the first round of the NFL draft just six months ago. So it's all good. Mm -hmm. So, it, I mean, just on a, from the outside looking in, you would think that anybody that you see that is doing sports casting, like, ultimately wants to wind up, like, on – ESPN or now uh, Fox Sports, like, did you have those kind of aspirations? I did, and I would, I would temper that with, I think maybe the young sportscaster does, because there's a set of, e there's, a, there's, a, there's an ego that we all have going into it, that we're the best, we're the best uh, desk jockey you can find. Mm -hmm. um, but you tend to evolve, and I evolved a little bit too, towards the end of my run in sportscasting, I had kind of decided that ESPN wasn't necessarily for me, mm -hmm. um, and I wouldn't mind being regionally based in sports, something like, you know, like the Fox Sports model, where you can be in the state of Florida, or you can be in the Northeast, or Boston, or, you know, wherever, you, mm -hmm. whatever you're looking for throughout the country. Right. And largely, that had to do with the fact that uh, I didn't want to live in Bristol, Connecticut. Sorry, ESPN, but no. Yeah, yeah, seriously, right? Who does? <laughs> right. Uh. Right. <laughs> so, but seriously, how good were you? I was, you know what, I, and I'll be honest, like, I, I had a lot of raw talent. Mm. And I let my ego kind of drive that raw talent. And one of the things I probably, looking back on, I should have been a little bit more, and I was really studious, but I could have done it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. uh, but I had the talent. I had an agent. Um, and we were both talking about, you know, making moves to Sports Center and things like that throughout much of my career. Uh, and the, one of the big things that held me back is that, and it's a benefit to me, is that I, I always look young. Mm -hmm. And you, you can't look young when you're trying to talk sports on a national level. Right. And that's what always held me back. And it was one of the reasons why I, why I jumped out, too, was uh, basically my youth meant that I was going to have to go through the minors longer than what my ego said I needed to do. Wow. And I kind of weighed that decision with, you know what? It's not worth it to me. I prefer my, my personal life a little bit more. Mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to kind of dictate my own path. And that's when I made the decision. It, it was, it, there was much more going on with that, but, mm -hmm. uh, that kind of went into my decision to leave sportscasting when I did, which which was about almost ten years into it. Mm -hmm. Oh wow! So, was it where you 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 left college and then you did it for ten years? Yeah, so I left college, um, and my first job was in Macon, Georgia, which is famous for being on the I seventy five drive to Atlanta. That's basically like, he's like, you're driving on I-75 and you're going north, like, don't stop and get some gas and make it and then just keep on going to Atlanta. Well, uh -huh. I stopped, got some gas and I stayed. <laughs> so that's making Georgia. Um, really small town, uh, kind of 
approach to sports. I mean, it was high school football was like the biggest thing. We're talking like packed stadiums, like 20,000, 30,000 people watching some high school football on a Friday night type stuff. Uh, you know, that was, that's where I cut my teeth. And uh, I was there for, I was there for a handful of years. And that's, that's where I ended up meeting my, my wife now was we worked for the same station in Macon, Georgia. She was from, she's from Houston, Texas, me being the Florida guy. We kind of like got together and we're like, what the hell is going on? Where the hell are we? Like, yo, (laughs) (laughs) we bonded instantly because we were two strangers in a strange town. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that's where I cut my teeth. And from Macon, I ended up moving on to Jacksonville, Florida, where I worked at a station called First Coast Dues. Um, That's why that's where my last job was before I decided to get out. So how, how long how long were you in Macon and how long were you in Jacks doing it? I was in about I was there for about what is it, about uh, four and a half years each, so about nine years, almost ten, something like that. Mm-hmm. So and now now I'll tell you this: like while I was in Macon, it was like because that's the that's the minor leagues, right? I mean, it's it's a really small market, and the resources are limited. The pay is less than limited. Uh, you know, it's uh, you get that tease that Atlanta's an hour drive north to like you know to like better lands and, and prosperity, but you're still stuck in purgatory. So you know that was it was a grind to be there that long and to kind of you know uh, you know constantly be trying to get out. That's what you do once you get to these small markets. The thing you want to do is to get out, and that's what I was trying to do. So I, I had had and it was here's where that youthful look comes into play. I think I'd had five interviews or something like that, and all five declined just saying, you look too young, why don't you wait another four or five years? Hmm. I was like, I, I'm not going to give you four or five years, I'm going to keep looking for something else. So, What what was that? Finally, in- it stuck, exactly. Because you, talk, you talked about like uh, your ego being in, a, in advance of uh, where you were. What was that internal discussion like that ultimately pulled you away from pursuing that yeah there's a lot of things that went into play right so um my father passed of cancer in 2008 and it really it really hit me hard and i said earlier he was my best friend and he he actually lived with me through some of my time in macon and jacksonville and he was my biggest fan and he would watch all my sportscasts and he would study my sportscast to the point where, like, if I'd come home or he'd call me after a sportscast, he'd be like, why didn't you do this? Like, so he knew what was going on, and it was like, he was my mentor, my best friend, uh, my biggest fan. And when I lost him, it rocked my world. And it really kind of opened my eyes to, you know, life is too short, and I need to enjoy this journey because my father was only 68 when he died. Yeah. So, you know, I'm seeing this, I'm seeing this from you know, this point of view that I'm getting told by stations across the country, yeah, come back five, six, seven years, you know, you're going to have to grind through some more small market stuff. And I said to myself, you know, is it worth it? I love being on camera and doing this. I love my three minutes of sports glory. I love going to games and enjoying it. But, you know, at the time, my wife was then my fiance, and we were obviously at that point, you know, thinking about family life. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't want to be 50, 60 years old, look back at it and be like, I didn't see, I didn't, I don't remember any of this. I didn't get to spend time with my family because being in the news business, I mean, you are, 
you are constantly on the clock, you are constantly grinding, you are always in that world, you are always on call and ready to go. Uh, and I saw that, you know, there may be a time, and I knew coworkers who were, like, they missed their, their, their children's childhood, basically, because they were so in the game. And I didn't want to do that. Knowing that relationship that I had had with my father, I wanted to replicate that with my soon-to-be, whenever that happens, it's, and I said to myself, this is just, I, if I make this decision, I stay in here, I, I might be that person who looks back and is like, I don't remember when my kid was growing up, I couldn't even go to his practices because X, Y, Z, and I had to do this. I just said, you know what, let's just do it. And, and I, looking back on it, I probably did it a little too soon, but it is what it is. I did it, and I jumped out, and I was like, this is it, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Um, did you experience a little bit of fame that was there a little bit of fame that came along with being in that business? And and if so, how did you respond to that? Yeah, I mean, you like, so, so if you've got like Kardashian on a list, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I would ever put Kardashian on a list, bro. <laughs> like, that's kind of where I was on the local level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, the, the thing is, is, like, there's two people everybody wants to talk to in a town, right? The weather guy and the sports guy. Yeah. So I was one of the sports guys. So that was, that was, that was interesting, you know, and both making and Jacksonville uh, having a small piece of, you know, local fame, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and kind of there'd be times when I'd be, you know, just enjoying a drink at a bar or just enjoying dinner with my, my fiance or friends or something like that. And people just come up and be like, that was the Jaguars going to do. Like, whoa. Yeah. 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 <laughs> You're like, let, let me, like, yeah. <laughs> can I finish this chicken wing first? <laughs> you know, <laughs> was there... um, it was but I mean, like, you know, again, like you gotta have a little ego going into it. So part of me was enjoyed it enjoyed that sort of recognition and expected it too i mean i know obviously if my mug's on tv in front of hundred thousand two hundred thousand people like people are going to recognize me mm-hmm. although i, I yeah so it, that's that's what it was so like you know I, I i understood it i appreciated it um you know it wasn't like i had to like grow a beard and wear a hat to go outside or anything like that <laughs> but you know it was <laughs> it was but it was it was interesting during your time as a sportscaster, was either in Macon or Jax, was there ever a time when you couldn't believe like that something happened or this is how the business goes or anything that like startled you or that you couldn't believe? Uh, positively uh, or negatively or just anything? Both. Both. Well, you know what? It, 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 I think we can turn a negative into a positive. So when I, I had, I'd been working in Macon for several years and I was getting frustrated that I wasn't moving on, even though I knew I had the talent and I had an agent and I had an agent that knew I was talented enough that was working for a big New York city agency who represented a lot of people with ESPN. That's why I picked that agency at the time, because that's when my ego was like, let's go to ESPN. That's where we're going. Hmm. So let me find the agency that represents the people from ESPN. Your so ego, your ego was probably mind. talking to your hair a little bit, and they were like, "Yeah, we can do this, man." Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, you got to stop that. <laughs> I, I should, I should have shaved the head or something. Like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, 
few years into it that I decided maybe it's time to make a move from sports to news, just because. And I'm I'm my mother's black. I'm half black, half Italian, um, but I obviously have an ethnic look about me as a result. Like I'm not like I'm not like it's. So I have an ethnic look about me. So I knew that that would play well in the news area, probably more than it does in sports. Mm-hmm. So I decided to pursue that a little bit. So at my existing station in Macon, I decided that maybe I would switch over to news a little bit. And it was around that time that I got a call from Jacksonville wanting me to come down and be their sports anchor uh, for the weekends. Mm-hmm. So I approached my news director slash general manager in Macon. I'm like, listen, I got this call. I'm going to go back home to the state of Florida. You know, uh, like, before we even make this transition to me going to news, like, you know, I have an opportunity to pursue my dream in sports back, like, just a, an hour or two from my hometown, two or three hours from my hometown. You know, like, let's do this. No, we're not letting you go. And so it was then, it was like, they were going to try and keep me in this market where I've been for four and a half years or something like that trying to, you know, like, strong-arm me into doing something that I really didn't want to do to begin with, but I thought that I had to. And so I, I went through, you know, it, it took it took a week of negotiations, and finally, you know, we were able to work it out to where I could go. But during the time, I mean, it was like, this is crazy. Like, this is, you know that this is making Georgia, and, like, nobody wants to be here, and our job is to, like, come in here and do good work and then leave. And that's, that's how this works. That's, that's just how this works. Sorry for you. And it was then though I was like, man, this business is nasty. It's nasty, you know. Uh, and I gotta, you know, I gotta look out for mine. And I mean, I, I always, I always knew that, but this was especially kind of a slap on my face after I'd worked so hard for that station, and this was my time, and you wouldn't like let me go. So the fact that I had to do what I did, and what I, basically what I did was I sacrificed, kind of, uh, I basically bought my contract out for the remaining month or two that I had left on it so that I could go. Wow. Uh, yeah. But so the negative is that whole situation. The positive is that I was able to, I was able to go. So I came down to Jacksonville as a result. I mean, like I, I experimented. So I like, I would anchor a show every once in a while. And that's some crazy stuff, man. That's some crazy stuff. My first day, my first day in news, and, they, you know, you get this – I can see how people get desensitized to this, but my first day in news, I was told, you're going to drive down two hours south of Macon to a small town that doesn't even have a stoplight, and um, a small uh, trailer home uh, was on fire last night and killed a wife and three kids, and you're going to go talk to the husband. Wow. Okay. All right. Day one. Let's go. Yeah. Um, and that's that's uh, that's – that's what news people do on a daily basis sometimes, and it's it's crazy and scary and awful. So real quick, for, for peeps who don't know the biz, um, how did it work out? How did it work out where uh, Jacksonville called you? Did they see you on the local news there in Macon? I wish it was like that, right? No, it, it basically it's a. Uh, you can put together a demo reel, and you send your demo reel out throughout the country. And if someone's hiring, they will basically have a call for submissions, and you hope that they see your demo reel, and they hope that you like it. I mean, we're talking about a 
demo reels are two minutes at the most um, with some stuff on the back end, so maybe at the most five minutes. Hmm. So uh, they've got five minutes to decide whether they want to give you a call and bring you in for an interview. So they liked what they saw from me out of 200 applicants, something like that, enough to bring me down for an interview. And when they brought me down for the interview, uh, apparently I did what I needed to do to get the offer. Did you walk out of that room like holding a yellow ticket, jumping up and down, and then somebody interviewed you and was like, how do you feel? <laughs> Basically, yeah, I mean, like, because they offered me the job on the day, right? So, like, I was, I was ecstatic. But now I did this interview knowing that I'd have to go back to Macon and be like, yo, what's the deal? Like, I was, I was fairly confident that they'd be like, okay, it's time to go. But I was nervous about, and for good reason, about what could and would eventually come down the pipeline. So, you know, it was kind of like, it was like, it was bittersweet. It was like, yes, I got this. It's my meal ticket. I'm out. I did this. They loved me. Good. Damn, I got to go back to Macon. How am I going to do this? Like, are they going to let me out? I don't know. Let's find out. So, uh, you know, so it, that, that was an interesting, uh, that was an interesting week or two there while I was trying to make that all work. In the meantime, while I'm trying to negotiate that, Jacksonville called me on the phone. He's like, you coming down to Jacksonville? Are we going to do this job or not? Like, can you sign the offer that we gave you? I'm like, I, I, I need a minute. <laughs> like, at that, I got to handle some business over here, yo. Let me, give me a minute. So at, it, it was crazy. At that time, was your wife still at, did you say, because you, you said your wife, you met her at the station, right? Yep. So she was still in the, at the station at Macon. And the, 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 the interesting thing was, so when I moved to Jacksonville, that was like, Step one, step two was now get my fiance down to Jacksonville. Yeah. So she had had interviews, and she interviewed with every station in the market, and obviously telling them that you know her fiance was at the new station helped matters kind of get her in the door. But obviously, but they all loved her talent. It was just it was, the way it worked out was two stations offered her a job about six months later after I'd moved down there. And uh, one was a competition, and the other was my station. And she took the offer at my station. So we worked at the same station in Macon, and then we worked at the same station in Jacksonville. Yeah. What, one of the things that you said was, uh, at the time, when you looked across the spectrum of, of uh, sportscasters, that you didn't necessarily see a lot of ethnicity. Is that, is that right? Because like, nowadays you look at you look at something like Sports Center and it's like it's it's extremely diverse. Right, right, um, and that's something that we're getting better at. While I was in the game, mm-hmm. uh, it was the news area, and in the news area, there's still a lot of struggles there with people on the desk. And when I mean on the desk, I mean your anchors, not your field reporters, but your anchors on the desk. Uh, there's still there's still some strides to be made as far as diversity is concerned in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, you, they've, made, they've made some positive movements, like you got Lester Holt on NBC Nightly News. So, you know, there's, there's different ways. Robin Roberts on Good Morning America. So there are some ways in which they're improving. But at the time, I knew that and it was a strategic move, and you can call it what you want to call it, like, you know, you play into whatever card you want to call it, but... I knew career-wise that that was probably a better meal ticket to me. It, it sounds messed up, but that's the way it kind of works. Yeah. So if that was going to be what I was able to use to get a little further, mm-hmm. then, you know, let's do it. Yeah. So that's what I started to do, although I didn't need to pull that card. So. Mm-hmm. 
So, so your dad passes, you realize that you're done with the sports casting business. What do you do then? Yeah, so Angela, my wife, fiance at the time, was also kind of feeling this, this urge to get out of the news business. Now, if you, if you take it back, so we're looking at uh, 2009, 2010 in there. I mean, like, the economy is terrible and is really impacting newsrooms, and they were really cutting back. And they were really making it tough to do our jobs effectively. And we saw that coming and we were uh, being affected by it. And we both kind of felt like the, the industry itself changing and not in a good way. And we both decided that, you know, let's, let's do this, let's get out. And we both had this dream of packing our bags and moving to New York City and just living in the city. And I know that sounds funny, but that's the dream and that's exactly what we did so we we sold all our stuff we sold our cars we rented a car like a big minivan filled it up with whatever stuff we could carry drove up to new york city and we slept on my best friend mark from high we had we'd grown up together back in high school he was up in new york city um, along with another friend of mine named andy who was living up in the city and they kind of encouraged us to come we drove up there we slept on my best friend's couch for like three months while we pound the pavement looking for work in the worst recession of our time, mind you, trying to switch careers. And we really, we thought, you know, what's the easiest thing for two people in the news business to do outside of news? And that was public relations. So our job, our, what we, what we wanted to do with, for jobs was to find a job in public relations, which in New York city is like a home of PR marketing advertising. So, that's what we did. We pounded the pavement for three months trying to get interviews, trying to meet with people. I was offered a job three times from the same place, and all three times they're like, the economy just got worse. We have to, we have to withdraw the office. Sorry. Wow. So it was, it was crazy. It was crazy. We're, I mean, there were a lot of times where we were like, what the hell did we do? Was this the right call? Oh, yeah. At the same time, we were planning our wedding. So like, there was a lot going on in that, in that like, three-month period. So you moved to New York, sleeping at your friend's place. How long, was it only three months that you were in New York? How long did you stay in New York? We were, so about three months in, we, uh, we made a silly decision. At the time, you know, now I look back and it worked, but we went ahead and got an apartment. We had a bunch of savings. So we went ahead and got an apartment. We're like, we're going to do this. We're not leaving. This is going to happen. So about three months in, we're like, we're, you know, I don't want to screw this up for my friend. Like, I've been sleeping on his couch. Like, this sucks. Like, you know, I can't do that to somebody. And since we're going to be here, let's go ahead and do this. We got an apartment. So we got an apartment. And a few weeks into it, we're still pounding the pavement. And then we kind of, like, looked at each other. And I was like, yo, um, so we need to get a job or else. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and the funny thing is, it's like when that sense of urgency and it's not like we weren't urgent. I don't know. It's just like that, that when that deadline came up, it was like, if we don't do X, Y, by Z, then there's not going to like, we're done. Like we got to like move. And like within that week, she ended up landing at a job and I ended up landing at like a, 
it was like a freelance situation that ended up becoming a full-time job, my first job in PR. Mm-hmm. But let me ask you, Petey, how, how does, so you're, you're working full-time 10 years as a sportscaster, and then you don't have a college background or degree in PR or anything, correct? Right, not at all. So, I mean, it's bold to just say, okay, I want a PR job, hire me. How does this work? Right, right. So essentially, PR, PR, public relations, and the media are married. And it's a rocky relationship, but they are married. Um, When you are in news, your biggest job is to build content and to find content to build out your newspaper or, for me, obviously, my sportscast. And when you are in PR, your job is to, without, without getting too much into it, but essentially to find a way to get some content about your client, right? So being in sports for the news, like I would get multiple pitches from PR people all the time trying to get their product integrated into my sportscast or their client XYZ into my sportscast or newscast or what have you. So it was, it's essentially, so you, you see that court sort of symbiotic relationship where the two of them work together. Like without, without PR, news is going to have a tough time. Without news, PR is going to have a tough time. So that's where I saw the transition. Now, from a PR like company agency standpoint, they see a lot of the times people like me coming over the fence, like they, like they like to call it. And it's a tough fit because... Sure, I've got almost 10 years of media experience, so that is very valuable because obviously what we want to do is get placements in the media. So if someone knows the media inside and out, who's better to you know, get inside the media than someone who's been inside the media? But at the same time, this is someone with almost 10 years' experience. In the PR world, that person would be like the vice president of a company, but this person has never even sat in a client meeting. So that made it very difficult and I could see that, you know, it, that made it very difficult for a lot of PR companies to kind of figure out where to place me. And, I, you know, that's, that's, that's unfortunate because I think what you need to do when you're hiring someone is to think from the talent level, like, what can I do with this talent instead of try to put a square peg in a round hole? Um, try to, you know, if someone is super talented, maybe we need to cut around the, 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 the circle and try to make it into a square so we can make this person fit so that we can make the right talent fit for what we're trying to do. So eventually an agency saw that and realized the importance of that and took a chance and I was able to work with them for about a year before moving on to another place. So you had you had your dream job before this, right? Your sports casting, this is what you wanted to do since middle school. This is what you wanted to do. Now you switched to PR. Did you enjoy it? <laughs> I did not enjoy it. Did not enjoy it. I did not enjoy it. I spent five years in PR. I did not. I was really good at it. I was really good at it. Um, and it, but uh, it's uh, it's a grind being on the side that thinks they know a lot about the media when really they don't know nothing about the media and they don't really want to listen to you talk about what you know about the media, even though you've been in the media. So that was kind of my struggle throughout my my tenure in PR. But uh, it, it was, you know, there was some, I'm not saying it was all terrible, but for the most part, it wasn't exactly my cup of tea. But at the same time, here I am living in New York City, 
And I had, you know, I went from being a weekend sports anchor. So here I am. My job is on the weekend to having weekends off for the most part. Obviously, there are things that come up with, with anybody, with any industry. Sometimes you're working weekends. But for the most part, I had weekends off. My first, you know, my first job in PR uh, was right before, like, the holidays. And for the first time in my entire career since college, I had had Thanksgiving and Christmas off. I worked Christmas and Thanksgiving and New Year's and, and Easter, and I'd be driving to work. I'd be see, see people on Memorial Day, and they're throwing Frisbees in the park. And I'm like, I got to go talk about sports for, like, the next eight hours. Like, what the hell? You know, so it was, you know, it was, it was what I wanted from my personal life. And that's how I was able to deal with not really enjoying myself in the PR professional life was the fact that here I am. I got the weekends that I wanted. I got the family life that I wanted. I can enjoy that now, and I'll put up with the rest. So let's get to now, right? Because there's a lot going on for you right now, right? You got a podcast. You you have uh, daddy mind tricks, right? Like you're writing, you're putting out a bunch of content now. How did you get to kind of this place where it, it's it's PD Two Shoes World and and he's out there to conquer it and put content out what he wants to deliver to everybody um, what's on his heart How did you get there? I think it was kind of there was an itch to do something creative again and be back in the creative field and something that I missed from being in PR because. It's, much as you like to think you're being creative in PR, you're not being all that creative. But I missed my time from being a sportscaster. I didn't miss the time that I had to take to be a sportscaster. So I wanted to find something that was creative. And it started with kind of just by luck. I don't even remember how it happened, just kind of landing into the idea of voiceover and becoming a voiceover actor. And, you know, a lot of it was oh, well, I've done this as a sports anchor. How much harder is it to get behind the microphone and, you know, talk for a documentary? So I found a voiceover coach here in the city, and we worked together for a a while. And this was maybe uh, three years ago. And, um, you know, we've been working together on coaching, and and he really opened my eyes to the acting aspect of voiceover acting. And uh, that kind of opened my eyes to getting into the creative field a little bit more and to – uh, you know, it really kind of just, I was like, I was like, okay, here I am again. I'm like performing again. So this is cool. So like, I, you know, and, and I guess that kind of goes back to, did I make the right decision to jump out of news at the right time? Perhaps not. If I still had that itch to perform, maybe I should have stayed in it. I'm glad that I left. I'm glad that I have the time that I have now. I'm glad that I am where I am now. I'm even glad that I went through what I went through you know, to learn about the industry of PR. And I hope that I've put all of that together now as I've gone out on my own to start my own business and my own ventures to where I'm able to make this work to become more successful. And so here I am. I, I So like you said, I've got my, I'm like jack of all trades. Hopefully I'm a master of something at some point. But so I, I have a voiceover career. I've done a few audiobooks. Um, I've, uh, I continue to, I, I write, and you mentioned Daddy Mind Tricks. That's my, my blog where I talk a lot about fatherhood. And the reason being was because it was around the time my wife was pregnant, 
and I started doing the thing that all new dads get. I got I got to figure this thing out, right? Like I like how do I, I need PowerPoint? I need spreadsheets. Like someone better tell me what to do on this, damn it, because I have no idea what I'm doing, and there's no instruction manual. So let me figure out how to make an instruction manual, and then it kind of clicked. Like there's not a whole lot out there for dads, and the stuff that is out there for dads, like I wasn't really feeling. So I was like, you know what? Let's do this. And mm-hmm. I was talking to my buddy Mark. Um, who I've mentioned before, he's the same one that I slept on his couch when we first moved to New York. He's now living in Ohio. And he was talking to me about, you know, how he has a young son and sometimes he needs to, like, pull some Jedi mind tricks on him to get him to, like, do what he needs him to do to, like, get his chores done or whatever. And it kind of clicked. I was like, Daddy mind tricks, there we go. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. And just off a whim, like, I mean, this is about a year and a half ago, we just started writing some stuff for the blog, which, you know, is... Uh, it's starting to take off quite a bit. Like, and now it's kind of morphed into where we host a podcast called parental advisory. Now the idea being here is that like everything kind of lends itself together. You know what I'm saying? So like I write for the site about fatherhood and parenting. I have a podcast about fatherhood and parenting. And also like I do voiceover work from the same studio where I record my podcast about fatherhood and parenting. So it, it, it sounds crazy. Like I'm doing all this stuff, but it all kind of, lends itself to each other. So how so how long has Daddy Mind Tricks blog actually been active and what was your most successful blog? So uh, let's see. I think we uh, we hit play in May of two thousand fifteen. So we're about a year and a half. We're about a year and a half. Most successful posts. We've had a couple of them. Um Let's see. Uh, one in particular is actually a guest post. So thanks, thanks for rubbing that in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that that's a post about uh, learning. And what I want to do, and, and to, to describe what we do with DaddyMindTricks.com, is it's I want you to think of it as a men's lifestyle blog with a focus on fatherhood. So we talk about health and fitness. We talk about drinking bourbon and whiskey, which is what actually the most most clicked on post has been one of the most. Uh-huh. Uh, we talk about, you know, we'll talk about fashion. We'll talk about books that dads can read all from a fatherhood bent. So, you know, instead of where maybe men's health might hit on some things that are for more of a millennial crowd that don't have kids, everything we do is for the dad that has kids who's short on time or is just wants something to laugh at or something in that sort of uh, yeah. niche. So, mm-hmm. there, so there was that. And then there was, I was able to, and I, and I get personal on the blog, too. So, like, I, I will write and, you know, talk about some of my experiences going through fatherhood for the first time. And, you know, one of those experiences was talking about how I grew up with some, and I talked about this earlier, I mentioned this earlier, a predominantly white neighborhood um, suburb of Tampa where I dealt with some racism growing up. And that post itself was picked up by Huffington Post, which is now where I kind of throw in some guest writing skills as well. Um, and that was that's probably our most successful, most clicked on post. Uh, I kind of review some things that I went through as far as being bullied on a basketball court and at times I've been spit on and things like that growing up through that town in Tampa. Um, and how I want that to mold me as a father, um, how I stood up. Well, I didn't stand up, but how I want to stand up and how I want to talk about it and I want everybody to talk about things that make them uncomfortable so that we can get started dialogue so that our children, which is the most important part, 
understand what's going on and are, are comfortable in these situations and don't have to go through the situations that I did growing up as a result of this positive, hopefully constructive conversation. What What is the title of your most or what you feel is the most important piece of work that you've written? Ooh. Okay. Um, it's probably my, my post on race. And if you go to HuffingtonPost.com mm-hmm. and you search my name, uh, you'll find it there. And let me figure out the name of the post, the title, because I, cause I don't remember that off the hand. Stop it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll get, we'll get um, there. We'll make sure we post it on there. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I believe it is um, the talk we need to have on race and parenthood. That's exactly it, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so com, the talk we need to have on race and parenthood. And that's the post where I talk a little bit about going up, growing up and, and going through, you know, some of the things that I went through and how I want to encourage everyone to be mindful of these things, to be comfortable talking about the uncomfortable mm-hmm. stuff, to make themselves vulnerable. Um, and to, you know, think about your kids, think about your kids and the generation we want to, we want to raise because we're only like our legacy is like how awesome our kids are. Right. Like, you know, like it, it's not going to be the sign master. Like we didn't create that. Like, you know, like, it's not, like it's going to be what we created and we created our biggest, our best creation that we can make as human beings is another human being and how we mold that human being to become a better person is how you can judge my legacy. So, like, when my daughter Juliana is growing up and she's an awesome person, I'm going to feel like I left a lasting legacy on this planet and I did some good work. Yeah. And I want everybody else to think that, too. Petey, let me ask you this. So, you've had work featured in GoodMenProject.com, CityDadsGroup.com. You know, you have, you talk about how our children are the future and our legacy. And I have known many hundreds of people who are good dads and some who, hundreds who aren't good dads and you have a passion for being a father you know all your blogs here are about fatherhood 10 habits to successful stay-at-home dads you know all of these different subjects on being the best man and best father that you could be what spawned that yeah you know i think it was it goes back to my father right and my relationship with my father was fantastic, and my father was my role model. And I patterned and I mold my fatherhood after the way he was with me. And it's that sort of passion for being great at fatherhood, or at least trying to be uh, great at fatherhood, that kind of fuels my passion to at least encourage other guys out there to, to do that, right? It's like we get a bad rap. Dads are the ones who are like being made fun of on the commercials. And it pisses me off when I see that stuff. Like always the butt of the joke on like the sitcoms. It's like the bumbling dad. Don't burn the house down. My mom's not here. Blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't want that. I, I want to end that narrative. That, that punchline's over. Like, stop it. Like there are dads out there that are doing awesome work. So let's highlight that. And if you aren't on that level, then let's get on that level. And here's how. Hopefully I can, I can help you get a little bit better each day by something you read from something, even if it's just because you laughed at me. I don't care. Whatever it is, like, like get in the game. Like, if you're an absentee dad, like, stop. Like, figure out how you can get involved. You need to be involved with your kids. You need to be involved with your spouse. 
and that's the next thing too. It's not just the kids. It's the whole. It's the whole unit. If the whole unit is cohesive and running smoothly, then it's going to foster a better relationship for that child to grow up. So whatever you can do to make that entire environment and surroundings good, please do it. Step up to the plate. Like don't don't let them make us a punchline anymore. Dude, that I think. I mean, you just covered. I mean, you covered a lot with saying very few words, and I couldn't agree with you more, man. And I hadn't thought about it from, like, that perspective. But when you put it that way and you think about the TV sitcoms that you watch and, and the movies and whatnot and, and how, they, uh, how those roles play out for the, the dads, that's, that's crazy, man. Now you're going to have me watching TV in a whole different light. <laughs> I'm going to be like, I can't watch this now, man. <laughs> from a lot of dads out there that have been like, yo, like, what's up? And yeah. now, you know, there are there are almost 2 million stay-at-home dads. This is a stat from, like, the National At-Home Dad Network. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost 2 million stay-at-home dads. So, like, this is, obviously, it's not on the same level as moms. Mm-hmm. And obviously, moms are rock stars. Like, what my wife went through through pregnancy and labor and, and breastfeeding, like, she's a real MVP. Mm-hmm. But, yo, I'm here playing, too. Like, I'm on the court. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I want to take a few shots, too, and I can hit a few shots. Yeah. So, so stop, stop acting like I'm that dude from my ninth grade basketball class, the ninth grade basketball team that couldn't get on the court, because I'm not yeah. him. I'm on the court, and I'm yeah, playing yeah. in it. So, so, so let, let's do this and stop acting like I'm, I'm, the, I'm the halftime entertainer. So it's, it's like Kevin Durant and Russell, Russell Westbrook. Like, KD left, but, like, Russ is like, yo, I'm here, too. I can do the same thing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, I'm going to Golden State. (laughs) (laughs) Just to rewind for a sec, Pete, you had mentioned before that you recorded a couple of audio books. What what books were those? Sure. Um, So through, and this is kind of another passion of mine is health and fitness. So, and this kind of started when I was in Macon. I was bored as hell in Macon, and I got a passion for working out because, uh, I mean, when you were news, like, you aren't healthy. Like, you were, like, hitting fast food restaurants as you're on your way to the next story. And one night I was, like, I was at a drive-thru for a Burger King. I was, like, this is disgusting. And I'm sorry if Burger King's, like, a sponsor for the podcast. <laughs> not yet. Not yet, brother. <laughs> hey, but that, that rodeo cheeseburger, I tell you what. <laughs> you know? So, like, I'm in le- I was, like, I can't do this no more. So I, could, I dove all into health and fitness. And so I am um, I'm also a certified health and nutrition coach. So, like, on the side, like, I, I, I kind of, and a lot of some of the stuff I write on my blog is from that sort of uh, mentality of being fit and being healthy and just trying to, you know, do what you can do to stay on this planet longer so that your kids can, can, can enjoy your presence for a, for a little bit longer, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, what was the question, man? I don't know. I don't even know what the question was. <laughs> the question was about the audio books. Which audio books? Uh, the audiobooks. Yeah. So, the audio books, through my connections through health and fitness, I found... Uh, a personal trainer named Jonathan Goodman, and um, he does uh, he does a lot of uh, personal training works and books for other personal trainers. And he put out a couple of books. One of them is Ignite the Fire, and another one is Viral Nomics, about kind of how to maximize social social media to boost your personal training career. The other one, Ignite the Fire, is kind of like a it's kind of like a just a 
A to Z guide to like being a successful personal trainer. So we kind of met uh, through different scenarios and cases, and he ended up finding out that I was a voice actor and brought me on board to do his audiobooks. And if you go to Amazon.com, you can either search Jonathan Goodman or I prefer you search Pete Cataldo. <laughs> you'll, you'll find you'll find my audio my audio books come up there there's uh, there's a handful of them but those are the two that stand out awesome so I'm, I'm a big fan of your podcast actually I, I love it and me originally being from New York listening to yourself and Mark and Rachel on there uh, actually takes me back a little bit and it's a little piece of home um, and I love what you guys oh, you brother appreciate it yeah well, I love the content that you guys are talking about, too. It's just real talk. And I loved when you were, I think it was the last podcast, when you were talking about uh, different, um, the parties, being invited to the parties yeah. and the, the peeps not talking to you anymore. Yeah, you know, uh, something happens when you become a parent. And it's that your, your friends who aren't parents don't want to be friends with you no more. <laughs> Bruh, hey, hey, I'm not, I, I'm, I gotta stop you right there, Pete. <laughs> I gotta stop you right there because, like, I, I feel like you just uh, pushed me, pushed me in my chest because I got some friends that had some babies and I haven't hung out with them in the longest time, man. I feel like, I feel like shit. you, I mean, you. You know me though, man. Like I'm all, I'm always on the move, man. I'm doing comedy and all that. So like a lot of that plays into it, but I definitely understand what you're saying. Like like yo, what like why are you ditching me now cuz I got this baby strapped onto my back? <laughs> yeah, hey, 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 look. Listen, I, I I I know the struggle. Like I'm a year and a half into it. So I'm just I'm a couple months removed from sleepless nights. So like I ain't going out anyway. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> but you know, like uh it is, it is kind of a weird struggle, like, trying to figure out how to make other parents and friends. Because when you're, when you're, when you're in the game, like, there's some things that, you know, I mean, like, I don't want to talk about my kid all day, all day long, right? So, yeah. like, I want to have some of that camaraderie I have with my boys. So there's that. But mm-hmm. at the same time, sometimes I want to talk about how, damn, I ain't slept in, like, a week. This kid's teething, like, won't eat meat. Like, what the hell's yeah. going on? Like, I'm not going to talk about that with my boys. I want to talk about that with someone who I'm is a fellow father, right? Uh-huh. So, like, how do you find the fellow fathers? Because for guys, it's like, I mean, like, you know, it, it could be as easy as, you know, yo, what's up, man? Like, but it's not because we always go through this weird, awkward guy phase. We're like, yo, mm, 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 okay, yeah. Mm. <laughs> and you're afraid to talk even further than that. Like, do I, do I get his number? Like, what is this? Like, how do I do that? Like, you know, so, uh, you know, so that's, that's kind of what Jeff is getting at in the last podcast. We talked a little bit about that. We talked a little about, like, the awkward phase of, like, going to a party. Like, do I bring a gift for the kid? Like, do I not bring a gift? Like, yo, this is kind of like a fashion show because we know everybody's judging you. Like, the, so we get a lot into, on our podcast, it's called Parental Advisory. You can find it uh, on iTunes. And the plug! And There's the plug! <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, it's kind of the, the awkward struggles that you go through as a parent, and that's this is, that's definitely one of the one of the things. Like you know, from play dates to like, how do you you know how do you interact? Like, what do you do if a parent is being a little uh, too much on social media? You know, different things like that. I would love to hear you guys talk a little bit about uh, like 
when your spouse says, hey, by the way, we're going by so-and-so's house, and let's say you or your spouse, whichever it is, like cannot stand the person or something, and how, how do you deal with that, or going to parties where you don't like somebody that'll be there, I would love to hear that. Yeah, and actually that's something we've discussed about talking about in the, in the near future, so nice. it's definitely coming up on the pipeline, because I want to, because like, because I actually have not really dealt with that too much because I'm still young in the game, but, like, Mark and Rachel definitely have. Um, and I think that's where we have a really cool dynamic is because we're all at different phases through parenting. Like, Rachel's been in this game a, a little bit longer. Mark's in the middle, and I'm, like, the, the, the noob who's like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. Like, I'm just figuring it out on the fly. Like, you know, so, like, we all kind of bring our experiences together and – kind of bounce and feed off of each other and, and you know, really try to, uh, to, to to encourage that sort of conversation about the awkwardness that happens as a parent. And that's definitely one of the things that's been on, like, kind of the pipeline of what we want to talk about on Parental Advisory, definitely. I love it, brother. So what are, what are the differences between Parental Advisory and Daddy Mind Tricks? Uh, well, I think... You know, there are a lot of similarities, and the differences really are just that we're bringing a mom into the fold to kind of talk about it, mm-hmm. um, but there is, and I, you know, I don't want there to be anything that's held back from a conversation about anything, and we're okay with kind of opening up and being unfiltered about what we talk about on the podcast, and I'm the same about that on the blog, too. So, you know, we've talked about sex before. You know, we've talked about cursing. We've talked about oversharing on social media. Uh, you know, on our blog, we've talked about, you know, like other mom blogs being stupid and being kind of a mean girl club. Uh, we talk about everything in between anything, everything and anything like you can think of. Like we want to hit on it. We want to talk about it. And we want to be comfortable with talking about it. And we want to make you comfortable about talking about it, too. Yeah, and I, th- I, th- I feel like that's the most important thing is is making other people feel comfortable enough to step into the conversation because uh, I mean a lot of times I think that's where where people miss the buck is that they ostracize certain individuals whatever whatever it may be along the spectrum and then people feel like they can't join the conversation so how do you go about actually getting people to get involved in the dialogue Right, and I've got a, I've got one of our biggest posts on Daddy Mind Tricks. It's called the New Dad Order, and it's where I lay out ten steps, ten rules that all guys need to have to succeed at mother and fatherhood. And one of those, one of those rules, one of those tenets is compromise and compassion. Right, communicate with each other, be compassionate with each other, and understand that you know Jeff may have one way of parenting, Pete may have one way of parenting. Uh, Martinez, you might have one, one way of parenting, but, and they may all three be totally different. But together, what, what, what is the underlying thing? We're just trying to do the best that we can. That's all we're trying to do. We're trying to make life better for our daughter. So, you know, what, read those rules at daddymindtrips.com. Understand that this is what we're doing here to try and get better, is to be, be open-minded to the approach of parenting. That no one way to parenting is the way to parenting. And if we, if we can talk to each other, so that, and I think that's the importance of kind of just being unfiltered in what I write about um, so that you understand that I'm coming from an open-minded point of view, and hopefully that will open your eyes 
to the fact that yes, there all are there are all of these other ways of getting this done and being an awesome father. And you know, let's let's not be so close minded about it. And maybe maybe I'll learn something along the way. You know, I, I've learned a few things along the way from different things that Mark has done or Rachel has done that you know I was like, ah, you know, I, okay, let me try that out. You know, and so it's it's. You know, this is all of us trying to figure this out because, like I said before, there are no manuals, right? They don't give us an instruction manual. They're like two days out of the hospital. They're like, yo, figure it out. Mm-hmm. Holler back. Actually, don't holler back. Hopefully, you don't holler back. <laughs> <laughs> like, go, uh, don't, don't, yeah, don't holler back. Just go figure it out. <laughs> don't holler back. <laughs> you, know, so, you know, once we're out on our own, it's like, well, how do I, head scratching. Like, how do, how do we do this? How do, how do, how do we do this? Um, you know, so let's look to each other and be cool with, with talking to each other about it. Yeah. Petey, when is the next podcast being posted up on iTunes? Podcast on um, iTunes should be coming out within the next week or two. Uh, we've got some stuff on, uh, we've got some stuff on holidays. We've got some stuff on awkward situations coming up. Um, talking about a little bit about the new year is coming up. Um, we're trying to get into, we've kind of been more of a, one of those haphazard podcasts. A lot of that being because Mark just had a kid. So uh, oh, wow. he's going through the whole sleepless nights hell right yeah. now. That's when you got to get him on, right? Um, after after being yeah, eight, uh, being up straight for forty eight hours. <laughs> so we've uh, so we've got so we're, we're a little haphazard right now, but we're going to settle into a monthly schedule. Hopefully, to start the new year. Nice. Look forward to it. Yeah. So, Pete, I know that you've listened to the podcast before, brother. Um, at least I hope that you have. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pigeonhole you into that thing. But uh, we, we do a couple of things uh, as we start to close the show, man. And we think that we've had, dude. You've dropped some absolute knowledge bombs, like not just for dads, but for parents in general, man. We talked about compassion and communication. I, I mean, that speaks to everybody across the board, man. So, like. And we want, obviously, we want to have you back to talk about other topics, like things that are on your heart as it relates to uh, race, to social media, and and how we raise our kids in this in this new environment um, with with social media being the platform that everybody automatically goes to. Um, obviously, with 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 uh, the the race situation and and how you hope that. Uh, this environment will, uh, you know, benefit, hopefully, uh, our kids as, as minorities as, as, they, as they grow older and, and what that looks like for them. Um, but we definitely want to have you come back on and, and talk some more in depth about uh, those uh, topics whenever you get a chance, man. Absolutely. And I, what's, we've got this phone thing figured out now. <laughs> I, that kind of, kind of. My arm is a little tired, but yeah. <laughs> no, but we, we like no, to wrap absolutely. up the show. I, I really enjoyed this, man. I've, I've enjoyed having this discussion and just kind of speaking on some of the stuff that uh, comes from my heart and uh, kind of my backstory. Um, hopefully, it entertains some people. Uh, hopefully, I have enlightened at least one person, and that's all I'm looking for. If I can get one one person who's thinking in a different way, if I can get. What, what I what I like to say is my motto is to get better a little bit each day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I don't have to, you know, maybe that's for my fitness 
kind of background is like, you know, one rep better than I was yesterday. Like, yeah. you know, it doesn't have to be this whole, like, I don't have to save the world tomorrow. I just got to do a little bit better than I did mm-hmm. today. Yeah. Right. So hopefully that, hopefully this conversation encourages someone to do just that. Um, and I would love to come back and chat with you guys. Absolutely. Definitely. Hopefully we bro. won't wait like, wait like another eight months or whatever before we, we do it. <laughs> yeah, you can put that on me, man. You know what I mean? I, I knew that you had the baby. I knew that you had the baby and everything. I didn't want to hang out with you anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, see? You, you threw me to the bench, man. Like ninth grade all over again. Oh man, I'm kidding, man. I mean, obviously we we've chopped it up about uh, you know, uh my my own personal situation with uh being a father who has a, a child in a, another state and and how you manage that. Um and you know we we've talked about that dynamic, so that that'd be interesting to see if uh, Daddy Mind Tricks or Parental Advisory could could do a spin on that. Man, I'd, I'd love to hear that as well. Um, but Jeff, we wrap this thing up with Jeff's joint and the Beast Mode moment. You know, sometimes it takes Jeff a while to get queued up on his on his Jeff's joint, but he's he is queued up right now, Pete. So he is ready to go. We like to tie this in a in a in a nice pretty bow uh, with Jeff's joint. It just brings everything together through song. So, ladies and gentlemen, Pete. Without further ado, here we go with Jeff's joint. Pete, do you know who that was, Pete? But I, I can barely hear it. I, I feel like it was Billy Joel. Was that Billy Joel? Oh, you are right on. Billy Joel, man. I bet you yeah. were tapping your toes and everything. Yeah. Jeff, tell us why you chose that song. I chose that one because, and I'm going to do my takeaways as well. Yeah, do your takeaways. So just listening to Pete, and by the way, right off the bat, you've been inspired. One, me right here after this talk. Um, you know, Pete was talking about his relationship with his dad, uh, all of this talk about how he wants to be a good father, um, an even better father, and, and trying to inspire others to do the same, uh, and having the guts to be brave enough and walk away from what he knew, you know, 10 years in a job, and, and that's what you went to school for, and, and that's what you knew totally just up, move to a different state with your fiance and, and just start new and just say, hey, I want a job doing this. Uh, you know, and the, the song by Billy Joel is, uh, what is it? This is the time. Is the time. <laughs> so, you know, he says, this is the time to remember because it will not last forever. You know, it's kind of like hold on to uh, those memories and, and what he was saying and what we started the podcast off with saying that we had Thanksgiving, we spent time with our families, and, and just the importance of that, and hearing Pete tell his story about how close he was with his pops, so that's what inspired him. Awesome. Uh, so now we're going to what we like to call the Beast Mode Moment, All right? So my Beast Mode Moment, obviously inspired uh, by the conversation that we've had here today, 
and and you introducing us to to daddy mind tricks and hopefully uh gaining more listeners and and followers and um and i i you know i was absolutely touched by your words and the beast mode moment it took me back to something that my dad uh reminded me about and it's as we get older we have to devote more time to our loved ones and through this conversation it was just reminding me of all of the lessons that my dad has taught me uh throughout my life and still some that i've yet to learn um but that one really stood out to me um and you listening to to you and how much time you're devoting to this and the legacy that's going to be left behind is and like this is this is life altering this is this is paradigm shift this is so far in left field that it may be a hard concept for some people to grasp initially but i think once the work is done if it's ever done when when you look back on it and we look back on it it's going to be something that has absolutely absolutely changed the paradigm in a lot of people's minds with respects to being a father and being a parent so my takeaway my takeaway is something that you said about uh compassion and communication being able to invite other people into the conversation and and not ostracize and understand that everybody is going to have a different way of doing something but at the end of the day we all just want to be great parents two shoes before we go you got any other takeaways brother what do you want to leave the the listeners with i think it just goes back to what i said earlier man just everybody just try to get a little bit better each day stop trying to you know like don't don't think you got to solve all the world's problems tomorrow. You just got to do a little bit better than you did today, right? And if you do that, then think about how much you can change and how much better you can make things just seven days from now, 30 days from now, 365 days from now. And if you follow that principle, if you follow that principle, then I promise you you'll be on the path of success, whether that's in parenting, podcasting, writing, whether it's in telling jokes, whether it's just, you know, texting someone every day, and getting better at learning how to text. Like, it, whatever it is, like, just, just try to do it, and uh, that'll serve you well. I, at, least I, at least that's what I live by, and I hope that, it, that someone else will, will pick that up, too. We want to thank Pete Cataldo, or as Ye put it, PD Two Shoes, uh, for joining us today and having this important conversation with us. You can check him out at PeteCataldo.com, DaddyMindTricks.com, and hop on iTunes and check out Parental Advisory Podcast. Awesome. How's that for some plugs? Yes, sir. Indeed. Pete, we appreciate you, man. We love you. We're going to have you back on, man. We wish you much success with everything that you have going on, man. Uh, we know we know. if not all of it's going to blow, we know something's going to blow for you, man. So much success to you and everybody that's working with you out there on the podcast as well, brother. Appreciate it. Much love, gang. Good luck with the, the vegan diet for your beautiful daughter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this has been Yeye Martinez. This has been Big Jeff. And for PD2 Shoes, peace.